at times our Savior made statements that were jarring, uh, jarring to the hearer, and that was an intentional uh, part of his teaching was to use statements that would almost shock the hearer into uh, really paying attention to what is being said. Uh, today's text is one of those, as I mentioned. It, it is quite jarring, even in our context today. And on some levels, it's one of those passages, when we read it at face value, it almost seems like there's contradiction in it. Uh, it almost seems like there's contradiction in the words that Jesus speaks. Uh, however, we know that Scripture is true entirely and that means there can't be contradiction and so it's important for us to uh, understand what is being said uh, but not dismiss the shock that was intended by these words Uh, not to jump so quick to well he doesn't mean that exactly to where we don't really understand the weight of what he is saying to us and challenging us and the, the hearer for the day. And so our sermon is titled, The Cost of Following Jesus. Turn to Luke 14. I'm going to read verse 25 through 35 and then I'll pray for us. Now great crowds were traveling with him. So he turned to them, or he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, wanting to build a tower, doesn't first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, after he has laid the foundation and cannot finish it, all the onlookers will begin to ridicule him, saying, this man started to build and wasn't able to finish. Or what king going to war against another king will not first sit down and decide if he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If not, while the other is still far off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. In the same way, therefore, every one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. Now salt is good, but if salt should lose its taste, how will it be made salty? It isn't fit for soil or for the manure pile. They throw it out. Let anyone who has ears to hear, listen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And we confess it is true as we do each week. Help us understand what we're being called to, Lord. Help us respond accordingly. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So I want us to look through these verses and kind of see, we're going to see three things that Jesus is calling to us to. If, if we're going to be followers of Christ, we're going to see three things that he's calling us to. Uh, first thing that we need to see, Jesus calls us to follow him no matter the cost. 
Jesus calls us to follow Him no matter the cost. Verse 25 to 27 again. Now great crowds were traveling with Him, so He turned and said to them, If anyone comes to Me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be My disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after Me cannot be My disciple. So verse 25, the crowds have grown. Uh, Now he's talked to them about bearing their cross before. He's talked to them about the cost of following him. Uh, And as his ministry has continued on, the crowds are getting larger and larger. And it says that they are traveling with him. And I think the wording there is interesting that he says that the crowds are traveling Luke says the crowds are traveling with him, not the crowds are following Jesus. Uh, And the words that Jesus is going to speak here, I think, seem to point to there are many people that are there that aren't actually followers of Jesus. They may be traveling with him. They may be there for the entertainment purposes. They may be there for the, uh, the healing purposes. They may be there for some kind of benefit that they think they're, they're going to get by aligning themselves to this, uh, this new teacher that is on the scene. But they aren't truly followers of Jesus. And Jesus speaks to the crowd concerning that. And so in verse 26, we get the kind of most shocking of statements. Probably, uh, this would be one of those that we would say is probably one of the, the most shocking statements that Jesus makes in his ministry that we have recorded in Scripture. And it's important for us to understand what he's saying, but not to dismiss it. He says, to be one of his disciples, it is going to come at an extremely high Cost. If you are truly going to follow Jesus, it is going to be a high, high cost. We often don't think of that when it comes to following Christ. Uh, when we're sharing with other people who are unbelievers, uh, we often don't present that, that it comes at a cost. We usually think of it in terms of the benefits You get forgiveness of sins. Uh, You get adopted into the family of God. You get the promise of eternal life. And those things are all true and all beautiful. And we should hold on to them and put our hope in them. But we often dismiss the cost that it takes to be a follower of Jesus. And he says, if you don't hate your family and your life, You cannot be one of my disciples. And hate there, of course, is what seems so contradictory, right? Uh, We know that we are called to love. Uh, We know that we are called to even love our enemies. So certainly we wouldn't be called to then hate our family, And so that's the part where we start to think, well, what in the world... Does he mean by this? That, this can't be right. Uh, and so I want us to just take a second to, to kind of understand uh, the context of that word. And it does tie back into uh, 
the Old Testament Hebrew use of that word, I believe, uh, concerning hate. Uh, Hate here is not talking about an emotional sense of how we typically would say we hate someone or we hate something. It stirs up in us like these emotions of anger uh, and wishing harm upon someone. And that's not the way that the term is being used. And in the, the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, the use of the idea of hate is, is used in the context of choosing one instead of the other. Uh, when there is the option of you can, you can either go with this or you can go with this, uh, the idea there is if you choose one, then you are hating the other or, or rejecting the other and saying, I, I will have nothing to do with this so that I can have this. And so Jesus is using it in that context and says, if you're going to truly follow me, you can't choose your family over me. If you're going to truly follow me, you can't choose your life because it truly is a giving up of your life. So our families are, can be a blessing and our families are something that we should care for. Uh, but we should never get to the point where we say, well, but my family is going to come before my devotion to Jesus Christ. Uh, And remember the context. We're really removed from it here in Athens, Texas, in much of America. uh, We don't face persecution like uh, places around the world face. uh, And we may face it someday, but we don't face the idea of really losing family members if we're going to follow Christ. Rarely. There are some. Uh, we don't face the idea of having our possessions taken from us because we are followers of Christ or that we may be killed because we're a follower of Christ. That's not a normal part of our uh, culture. There are places in the world that it, that is true. If, if someone comes to faith in Christ, their family may reject them. If someone comes to faith in Christ in some countries, they are stripped of all of their possessions and put into jail to serve out their life like a slave working for the government. And there are places where lives are taken if people will not reject Christ. And in the early church, that was certainly true. That if someone was going to line up with Jesus and not reject Christ, there was going to quickly become the day that they would be rejected by family, that they would lose things, and they could potentially lose even their lives. And so he's speaking in that context and says, if you are really going to follow me, not just traveling around with me, seeing all the wondrous things, but if you're truly going to be one of my disciples, know that it's going to cost you. You may lose your family. You may lose everything if you follow me. And he's saying, nothing can come before me if you want to be my disciple. So the point is, 
disciples, if, if we're going to be a disciple, we should be all in as, you know, for following Jesus. We must be willing to follow Him no matter the cost. And verse 7 brings up the idea of bearing your cross. If someone's going to be my disciple, he must bear his cross. If he's not willing to, then he can't be my disciple. And yes, that does reference the loss of life because that was a form of execution. Uh, but it, it's beyond that. It also is a, a losing of all comforts and being willing to exchange the comforts of this life for pain and suffering that may come for following Jesus. And he again reiterates, if you aren't willing to step into that, if you aren't willing to follow me into that, then you can't truly be my disciple. And so what a shocking idea as he speaks to this massive crowd. Uh, you know, not a good sales pitch, right, for, the, for, the, uh, you know, for Christianity. That this is what it's going to take. You might lose it all. And we're so far removed from that idea of what it may cost us to follow Him. It's hard to get our heads around. Um, and I don't want us to hear this and respond out of fear. Uh, I don't want this to be one of those things where we leave here today thinking, I don't know if I have what it takes, right? I, I don't know if I could, could follow Jesus to that point. I don't know if I could follow Him if it's going to cost me those things. I don't want us to be afraid as we hear this passage, but I do want us to consider what He's really saying to us as followers of Jesus. Discipleship comes at a cost. And Jesus is saying, if you're forced to choose between anything else and me, if you're going to be my disciple, the choice has to be me. We're constantly tempted, every one of us, to put other things before Jesus. We're constantly tempted to pursue other things in this world other than Jesus. And Jesus looks at the crowd and says, you've got to be willing to lose all of that if you're going to be one of my followers. You have to follow me at all cost. The second point is this. Jesus calls us to consider the cost of following him. Jesus calls us to consider the cost of following him. Now, this is something, of course, for an unbeliever to realize that if they're going to choose to be a follower of Jesus, that there does come a, a there is a cost that comes with that. But it's not only for unbelievers. I, I feel like every day, because every day we're tempted to chase after things other than Jesus. I feel like every day, even as followers of Christ. We have to consider the cost. As, as our minds are thinking, I would really love this, or I want to do this, we should be asking, what is it that Christ wants in this? And if I need to give up my desire in this, I need to be willing to do that. So Jesus calls us to consider the cost of following Him. Verse 28-33. through 33. 
For which of you, wanting to build a tower, doesn't first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, after he has laid the foundation and cannot finish it, all the onlookers will begin to ridicule him, saying, This man started to build and wasn't able to finish. Or what king going to war against another king will not first sit down and decide if he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If not, while the other is still far off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. In the same way, therefore, every one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. So two parables... Uh, that Jesus uses to make the point of considering the cost uh, of what it's going to take to be a follower. Uh, The first parable, uh, taking the idea of a construction project and says, which one of you, like if you were going to build a tower, if you were going to take on this significant construction project, Which of you wouldn't first sit down and say, okay, what does it take for me to finish? What does it take for me to make it all the way to the end of the project? Because if you didn't do that, you would look really foolish. What an embarrassment it would be if you laid the foundation and you started the work and then had to stop it because you didn't think through, this is what it's going to cost to complete the task. He says, you're going to face ridicule as onlookers look at the unfinished work and think, what a shame. This guy didn't even think through what he was doing. And then the second parable in verse 31 and 32, giving the image of a king that is outnumbered. And he says, what king, if he's outnumbered by double the forces, would go into battle without ever thinking through, do I even have a chance? Is there any way that I could make it to the end of this battle when I'm already so outnumbered? And if realizing that, in considering the cost, then he would send for a delegate out and say, let's make peace before the battle ever starts. And so both of those scenes are intended, both of those parables are intended to point out the importance of considering the cost. Consider the cost so that you can follow through with what you've committed to. And Jesus is going to bring that discussion back into being one of his followers. And in verse 33, he says, I'll read it again. In the same way, therefore, every one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. So bringing that back into discipleship says you too need to be considering what it means. If you're truly going to follow me, if you're truly going to be one of my disciples, you have to be willing to give up everything. Now, just like uh, in the context of when he says you, you have to hate your loved ones, uh, here where he's talking about you have to renounce all possessions, he, he's not saying that we can't have any personal property, uh, that you can't own anything. 
What he's saying is you have to renounce your allegiance to those things. You have to be willing to lose those things. If it, if it costs you every single thing that you have in order to have Jesus, if you want to be a follower of Jesus, you have to be willing to take on that cost. And our hearts, of course, want to latch on to the things of this world. We want to hold on to the things of this world that we enjoy, that we, that we like. We're tempted to think, well, does God really want me to give that much? Does He want me to give that much every single month? Like, wouldn't God want me to have some joy and blessings and, and, and experiences in this world? Maybe I should hold on to a little bit. Wouldn't He want me to have the best? And the prosperity gospel speakers, of course, tell us that that's the case. That, that God wants to provide you with material blessings. That God wants to give you the best of life now. That you can have health and wealth and all the just glorious things that this world has to offer if you would just be faithful enough to Jesus. And that sounds great. But that's not the message of our Savior. Because Jesus looks at the crowds and says, you've got to be willing to lose it all if you're going to follow Me. Jesus wants all of our hearts. And our hearts are constantly being pulled towards other things. And so that leads us to the last point. Jesus calls us to follow Him to the end. Jesus calls us to follow Him to the end. Endurance in the Christian life is important. Uh, the author of Hebrews tells us, let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. Uh, Jesus has already alluded to the idea of, of enduring to the end in the first of these parables uh, when He says, Consider the cost of a building project. Because you want to be able to finish what it takes. You don't want to have half of a tower. Right? And the same thing would be true of the Christian life. You wouldn't want to start with Christ and then realize a year down the road, six years down the road, you know what? This wasn't worth it. I don't, I don't want this anymore. And then quit pursuing Christ. So we're called to follow Him to the end. And so these last two verses kind of pick up that idea. Verse 34 and verse 35. Now salt is good, but if salt should lose its taste, how will it be made salty? It isn't fit for the soil or for the manure pile. They throw it out. Let anyone who has ears to hear listen. If salt loses its taste, he says, there's literally no value here. It can't be used for anything. It, it wouldn't even provide help to throw it on the manure piles. It's useless, a complete waste. You would want the salt to remain salty. And I think he's using this. Remember, he calls us in his Gospels, uh, he calls his followers salt and light. 
And I think the idea of endurance to the end, he's picking up on that image, right? If you don't remain salty, there's not any value in that. Applying that to the line of thinking of what Jesus is calling us to. He's saying you need to be faithful to the end. Uh, Now, important that you understand, Jesus is not talking about you losing your salvation. Uh, He's not saying, well, if you don't perform enough, or if you're not salty enough, then I'm going to get rid of you. Uh, That's not what Christ is saying. But I think there is the potential that there are some who think that they're following Jesus, but they're not going to endure to the end. They didn't consider the cost. They weren't willing to really give up what it takes to follow Jesus. And when things get hard enough, they're going to walk away from it. And so that would not be someone losing their salvation. I think what that would be is a sign that maybe they truly weren't saved. Maybe they were traveling Jesus but they weren't truly a disciple of Jesus. They truly hadn't put their faith in Christ. Last week, we kind of talked about that. Uh, I referenced that in the first part of Luke 14, that there were people that were invited to the banquet that weren't going to make it in. And they were some of the people that felt like, well, surely I'll be in the kingdom. Surely, like because of who I'm a part of, because of what, you know, things about me, I'm going to be in the kingdom of God. And I'm going to have this blessed life because of that. And Christ speaks into that, that there are some who felt like they were going to be in the kingdom of God and they were going to be left out because they weren't truly trusting in Him. even though they expected to be. And I think this is true. It's, I'm sure, true in, in lots of areas around the world. But in the American church, I do feel like there are lots of people who may be traveling with Jesus and not really a follower. Feeling like, well, surely I'll be in the kingdom of God. But they've never truly followed Christ. They've never truly committed their lives to Jesus. They aren't real disciples. And I, I do not say this to terrify us into thinking like, oh gosh, I, what if I'm not really saved? I'm not trying to scare us into a response here, but I do feel like Jesus is speaking to the crowds on this day. And these words were recorded for us to hear that challenge, that shocking word that says, are you really willing to lose it all to follow Christ? Are you really committed in your walk with Jesus? Am I willing? That's a question for us to ask. Am I willing to follow Jesus no matter the cost? Now, with that challenging text, with that challenging idea uh, that should shock us, he intended it to shock us 
into making us think. I do want us to hold on to this central truth. Uh, because without this, uh, we can leave here feeling a little bit discouraged, maybe a little bit afraid, maybe a little bit hopeless. And the central truth for us to hold on is this. Jesus is worthy of it all. Jesus is worthy of it all. Now, the idea of losing family, the idea of losing our things, the idea of even possibly having to lose our lives as a follower of Jesus is not a pleasant idea. It's not for any one of us. But it's important for us to hold on to this central truth that if, if we're going to lose anything for our Savior, Jesus is worthy of it. He's worthy of losing whatever it cost us. He's worth it. I'm convinced, church, that when Christ returns and we see Him face to face, that there won't be anything that we gave up. There won't be anything that we sacrificed in order to be one of His followers that we're going to look at Him and say, man, I wish I hadn't given that up. Man, I really feel like I got the, the raw end of the deal here. I re- feel like this was bad on my part. There's not one thing that we could lose in this world that we're going to think it wasn't worth it. Because when we see Christ, we will realize He was worth it all and infinitely more. He was worth it. He is worthy of losing anything and everything in order to have Him and be in the presence of Him. Paul learned that. Remember here when we were walking through Philippians, we saw how Paul learned the idea of losing everything as a follower of Christ. And so Philippians 3, verse 7 and 8, he says, But everything that was a gain to me, I've considered it a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, because of Him I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung so that I may gain Christ. Everything that He used to put His hope in, everything that He used to value, everything that He used to have as a source of pride of look at me, look at what I have. Paul says, I finally realized those were not gains at all. They were actually losses to me because I was putting my hope in the wrong thing. And now I realize that Christ far surpasses that. Knowing Jesus, having Jesus, being transformed into the image of Jesus is so much superior to anything that I had in this world that I used to hold on to. He says, I gladly view them all as waste just so I can have my Savior. Jesus has called us to follow Him no matter the cost. There must be nothing in this world that we value more than Him. Nothing that we would choose over Him if being forced to choose. And every day, 
we are tempted to do that. Every day, we are tempted to put our hope in something other than Jesus, to put our joy in something other than Jesus. Now, if you have never followed Christ, if you've never trusted Him and decided to be a follower of Jesus, He's inviting you to come today. And yes, the, the message is that is going to cost. That could cost you everything. But it also comes with such a great reward. Church, for us, let's keep remembering that Jesus is worth it. We need to hold on to that. Because our hearts are going to tell us, but what about this? Shouldn't you have this? Shouldn't you enjoy this? Wouldn't this be great? And so we need to remember Jesus is worth it no matter what it costs. And I think it's important for us. You know, we've been talking about what does it mean to be. uh, We spent several weeks at the beginning of January talking about what does it mean to be a real follower of Christ? What should be in our life? And so as we keep thinking about that, let's take an honest assessment of our lives. And let ask God, God, what is it that I keep putting before Jesus? What are things that I'm actually treasuring more than Jesus? And then through the power of the Holy Spirit, let's ask, God, keep changing me. Keep shaping me to where I'm more committed to Christ today than I was yesterday. That I treasure Christ more today than I did yesterday. Ask God to help us as we strive in following Jesus wholeheartedly like He's called us to. And just remember, Jesus is worthy of it all. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for this Word. The words are certainly challenging and press against our heart's desires often. Help us continue to see Jesus as worth it. Help us see Jesus as worthy of whatever it costs us. And help us walk in obedience to what you're calling us to so that we can be used for your glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.